welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello, I'm Bohan Kabbai, Head of Content at Omfif Sovereign Debt Institute, and today I'm with Tamo Dima, Member of the Management Board at Deutsche Bandsagentur. Uh, thank you, Tamo, for joining me. Uh, we're just at the sidelines of the uh, Team Europe event, where we just had an interesting discussion about um, sovereign uh, borrowing needs in this current challenging market environment. Um, firstly, Tamo, um, how does this year's volatility compare to anything you've had to deal with before at the Bandsagentur? Thanks for having me. Um, I haven't, I haven't realised that volatility in my professional life before. So it is huge, and I would not only say it is very volatile, but there were actually days when it felt more like fragile. Uh, when you look at the uh, sterling uh, 30-year gilt yield, then that was really, um, yeah, not only volatile, but even slightly more than that. And you obviously increased your funding program recently, I think it's in September. Do you think you will need, you need to increase your funding need further this year um, to deal with the energy crisis? Yeah, we have to be uh, flexible in the sense that there are additional funding needs uh, due to the um, support of the energy market and also to sort of pay for energy subsidies. So this will happen uh, until year-end to some extent. And we need to be uh, flexible in the sense that we will sort of provide the necessary funding to do that. So we increased our fourth quarter calendar by 22 billion euros. And uh, also we are active in the repo market uh, for a number of reasons. And both both measures uh, will be sufficient um, to fulfill all the funding needs uh, that, that will come up until year end. Yeah, you mentioned the, the, the repo, what we've done in the repo market, increasing the size of um, outstanding bonds. Um, could you just explain the decision behind that? Yeah, I mean, those 18 ISINs uh, that we tapped and keep in our own holdings, those were those bonds which were in particular expensive, not only on a relative value basis in the secondary market, but also on, a, on, a repo, on the base on the repo market. So um, we picked those to tap those, and now they, we have those in the hand, in our hands, in order to support the functioning of the um, German Bund market, and on the other hand, also use them to actually generate cash uh, simultaneously um, that uh, we may need, may need until year end. And the timing of the repo announcements was quite interesting. Obviously, it came, uh, I think, a day after. Uh, the, the weak Bund auction. Is this, is the, is, was what you're doing in the market also a way of navigating the challenge you're facing in the, in the primary market? I mean, clearly this, this is uh, um, very helpful that there is this strong demand for German government bonds, in particular due to a high demand for collateral, um, for, for margining reasons, uh, for uh, central clear, clearing reasons. So this week auction uh, you mentioned uh, on seven years, there was a demand of, of, of around 50% of what we have offered, uh, clearly reflects the high volatility in the market and the difficulty our uh, members of the Bund auction group facing uh, when it comes to an auction, i.e. an event with a, with a big volume. In the secondary market, the turnover in German government bonds is extremely high, in fact, it is, I guess, one and a half times the size 
that it used to be a year ago, so there's a turnover of at least 30 billion euros per day, and it used to be around 20 per trading day. So the secondary market activity in German government bonds is very active. However, bid offers are slightly higher, and the, the, the ticket size is smaller. So we compensate for this um, lack of demand in our auctions in the seven-year sector, for instance, by our secondary market activity. So it is um, a, a reliable source for us to sort of um, replace uh, that volume or place this volume into the market. Are you concerned about your your sort of access in the primary market or the demand you've been receiving? We talked about the week seven-year auction. Um, there was also the 30th indication which didn't perform so well in the secondary afterwards. Um, are you concerned? About, are you concerned about that? Yeah, I mean, this the 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 behaviour of the 30-year bond is uh, something which we haven't intended, and which we don't like at all. We want to find a, a fair pricing level and a, and a clearing level for our transactions, so that the uh, secondary market is stable thereafter. It doesn't have to outperform a lot in, in favor of the investors, and but it should definitely not underperform in the secondary market. That bond has stabilized now, still cheaper on a relative basis towards the reference bond. Um, it stabilizes, and I would say that it further has potential to, to outperform since, uh, from today's levels since um, we still consider this uh, pricing level today as being cheap and, um, uh, and we still consider that the um, primary market level we have chosen is, 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 is fair. Uh, what was the feedback you've been getting about, um, about, your ba about banks, uh, your primary dealers uh, in terms of warehousing, uh, booms and auctions? Uh, are there sort of transmission frictions? What's the feedback you're getting from your PD group about um, yeah, warehousing bunds? Yeah, I mean, the uh, activities of our uh, members of the bund auction groups are very strong in German government bonds, and um, I have not sort of, I'm not aware of any difficulties to warehouse German government bonds. They are uh, still uh, liquid and tradable, although sort of from a, from a ticket size point of view it is uh, smaller, but the overall volume is, is higher. And um, also the future market is highly active, um, much higher turnover volumes than a year ago. I think the volume is, again, I think double, one, at least one and a half on some days even two times or two and a half times larger than, than the average uh, turnover last year. Uh, so we make, have, have to make sure that sort of the, the, bund func the bund future market functions well. Um, we do this with uh, also uh, supporting uh, the repo market. I mean, it is, it is this interplay which is, which is of utmost importance for the functioning of the bund market, the secondary, the cash market, uh, the future market and the repo market and um, to the best of our knowledge this functions well and we keep a very uh, strong eye on this in order to keep it performing going forward and um, yeah, we support where we can uh, the market participants with that regard. 
are investors sort of, you know, uh, okay, maybe not the word that is right, is not willing to buy bonds, but is the volatility, the feeling we're getting, is it a mixture of things? Is it is it stuff coming from the UK? Is it the fact that there are perhaps no more syndication on the horizon by Germany? Are all these factors, as well as general market volatility, is it a mixture of these factors that are causing these, um, I guess, these, these uh, problems you're having in, in auctions and syndications? I think our auction system would, I mean, it worked well even if we had no syndications, uh, uh, no syndicates outstanding, i.e. the years 2019 and the years before. So our auction system is designed such it functions well even if there were no syndicates at all. And um, the volatility, I mean, has a lot of reasons um, and, and, and you know them. Um, clearly, uh, the uncertainty on, on, on monetary policy and where inflation is targeting uh, the geopolitical uncertainties. So, um, in, a, in, a, in a positive scenario where these things are more clear to market participants, volatility will go back to normal levels again, is, and uh, then also. Uh, market turnover may, may, may come back to normal levels, bid offers may come back to normal levels, but this is not the case now, and it's not the case until year-end, but it's something for next year, or uh, yeah, towards, towards the second half of next year, I would say, when at least mm -hmm. the inflation development will become clearer to us. Well, what are your main concerns going into um, going into next year? Is it the uncertainty around QT and ECB's monetary policy? Yeah, I mean, clearly the central banks have to react, and they react on on inflation numbers. And um, what is uh, but what is unclear is how consumer prices will will develop and how these higher energy prices we saw will transfer into other price segments. So this needs to be sort of observed over next year and then hopefully, as I said, second half, it might be clearer to us as market participants how this is going to develop forward. Yeah. Uh, I'll just get your thoughts on a few more things. Um, there's been talk about um, more EU joint debt for the energy crisis. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that would work and do you think that is a... Is a, is a viable option for the EU? Well, the EU set up a program of, of 750 billion euros, which is a significant size, and uh, we used almost 15% out of this as of today. So there is still a lot of room left, 85% of those 750 billion. So my expectation is that sort of this program needs to be um, performed in the next uh, years. Well, what impact has the EU's arrival as large borrow had to the France Open tour? Uh, no impact. I mean, it is uh, sort of not a, mm -hmm. a sovereign issuer. It is uh, another supra issuer um, which uh, offers a high quality bonds, but also with a, a significant spread against uh, German government bonds and therefore it has no impact on our funding activities and no impact on our investor base. So it is, I think, more uh, subject to other, say, European issuers, but also 
supra or agency like issuers where this new um, this this new segment uh, has an impact if the EU were to be seen more accepted as more as a sovereign borrower um, would it have more of an impact and do you think the EU would then ever become a rival to the Bund as a safe asset well the um, whether whether I view a segment to be um, sovereign-like is is something market participants decide on. So it is sort of the question: um, How does market participant look on this and this segment? Where are in, on which trading desk are those bonds are traded? What is the daily turnover in this segment? Is uh, is it a, a lively secondary market or is it predominantly a primary market that takes place and it is key for France for Germany that you sort of can sort of turn over high volume of bonds let it be OATs or bonds and this is characterized by by sovereigns we can sort of buy a, a bund without having money we can sell a bund uh, without having the bonds actually and this happens every day in, 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 in significant volume and uh, the, the EU is far from, from a situation where sort of this trading behavior, this behavior of market participants, this anticipation is, is actually sovereign-like. Okay, thank you. And just a question about the outlook for, for next year. Um, I assume the funding program would likely be um, larger than this year. Is there any other insight you can give to next year's funding program? I mean, next year differs from this year by the fact that um, we will have a structurally balanced household, which means that the deficit we need to fund is going to be significantly smaller than it is in 2020. On the other hand, we have extra households to be financed. Uh, obviously, we will spend more money on defense and also um, we have expenditures with regard to the energy crisis in particular supporting the energy sector and um, um, uh, having subsidies for, for energy prices. And therefore it's a, it's a mixture of um, effects. Overall I don't expect that the uh, volume in 2000 23 is, is lower than it was in 2020, 21, 20. But we will be more detailed here when we um, uh, publish our calendar in, uh, in December this year. Okay, thank you. And uh, just a question around, um, I know Sorbins were having, dealing with the issue of order book inflation during the peak of QE, um, but are you still seeing that now? Are you still seeing inflated orders from fast money accounts or is that very much under control now? I mean, we take the book as it is. We have no, um, we have a liberal approach. So uh, an investor is an investor. And um, when it comes to a syndicated transaction, for instance, we rely on the bank's suggestion for the allocation. And we sort of follow those suggestions provided by the, by the banks. And, uh, yeah, we have no particular attitude here. Instead, um, we have a liberal approach, so each and every investor have a similar um, 
opportunity to have access to our bonds, and when it comes to a syndicated transaction, we rely on the on the suggestions by our banks. Do you think there should be a collective effort from DMOs to sort of control inflated orders, or do you think inflated orders is perhaps not a huge problem? Well, I, I haven't thought about it in detail. For me, um, it is not a huge problem, and um, yeah, I think we have other other difficulties, a lot of other yeah. challenges to, to cope with. Yeah, of course. Uh, and just finally, um, just to yeah, just ask you about your green issuance with your um, innovative twin bund structure. Uh, could you could you give a few words about how that's going, and are you seeing a clear green in between the conventional uh, and green uh, twin? Yeah, as you as you know, we have um, invented the uh, twin bond concept, um, and uh, this twin bond concept provides transparency from a pricing perspective on the value of the green element inside a German government bond. And um, this is because every green bond really comes with a uh, with a twin brother or sister, a conventional bond with the same maturity and the same coupon. And therefore, um, the pricing uh, in the secondary market of the, of the green twin compared to the pricing of the conventional twin, and the difference really is uh, what has come to be known as the greenium, and it is a market variable. And um, in uh, spread terms, our 10-year uh, green bonds that we issued in 2020, maturing 2030, really um, outperformed uh, a, a lot in spread terms until seven, eight basis points compared to its conventional twin. And since then, since roughly a year ago, it underperformed and is now around a basis point. Um, so it's a, it's a market variable. It really depends on supply and demand. And um, we will continue on this, on this pattern. Uh, we, will be, we were able to increase our green bond volume that we issue from year to year. So we are uh, now around 14, 14 and a half billion euros in 2022. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can sort of continue on this track. Uh, we filled a full curve from, uh, we have fairly short-term dated bonds outstanding. I think the shortest is 2025. And we have a 28-year bond outstanding maturing 2050. And, um, yeah, we have a number of 10-year uh, bonds outstanding. We added a new five-year bond to the, to, the, to, the, to the curve so that market participants have a spread indication for the green element in case of the Federal Republic of Germany, and they benefit from this. Market participants can benefit from that in order to price or indicate other green uh, products, in particular green sovereign bonds, but also uh, green bonds from agencies uh, like KFW, like the uh, European Investment Bank. I think we hope to provide an added value with this transparency. Okay, thank you very much, Tanner. Great pleasure. Thank you for listening to the OMFIF podcast.